Hey Phil. Hey Laurie. Listeners, welcome to episode 42 of season 2 of Super Baby Bros in Movie Land. Phil, how are you doing? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm okay, but I want to check with you before we do anything else in this intro. Have you noticed anything about what I'm what I'm wearing currently? You're wearing a coat and a very low button shirt. Yeah, I, well I thought what I'd do is apply some of my uh, tactics on you today to see how effective they'd be. Because over the course of my degree and then my working life, Phil, I've developed a sort of accidental subliminal way of implying confidence and so much authority that if, for example, I've not been able to do the work that I thought I might be able to do by this point, you just let it go because I'm so professional. And that coat is part of it. Are you feeling intimidated? I mean, I did notice the coat and I was going to make fun of you for well, the And coat. the button-down shirt, it's very business-like. It, well, so, yeah, so what? You can see some chest hair. What's the problem? Yeah. It more looks like you're one of the detectives on a BBC drama. When in reality, you're saying, don't look at me, don't question me, well, I know everything. The thing is, I haven't really watched... The films I thought I might be able to watch for this episode. I know, I haven't either. So. Yeah, is that a problem for us? Well, let's give it a go. Listeners, what this was going to be was a video game adaptation movie spectacular. We decided a while ago we were going to do themed episodes every once in a while to sort of break up the new releases and that kind of thing. And we thought, what a great way to start because Tomb Raider's coming out. There's some other announced projects. We've had Assassin's Creed and Warcraft. Great time to talk about video game uh, movies and their possibilities and everything else. So we were going to do like six classics. We're going to do a whole sort of spectacular on it. Instead, should we just kind of do a mini one and it's more like a taster for this kind of thing? Yeah, it's more like a soft opening of thematic episodes isn't okay it? that's what we're doing we're trialing out some of the things some of the features we're gonna get some feedback gonna take some that's notes nice. do a good customer, work. customer service see what is really engaging our core demographic you're and playing then... the same game as me here phil because that is great <laughs> that is a great first meeting and so, so what we're gonna do is gonna soft launch and uh, we're gonna do some test cases see what kind of learnings we can attribute uh, to these early stages and then we'll do a prolonged rolling out it'll be more strategic uh, than a sort of all-in-one effort that kind of thing and i really mm. want to synergize what yes. we're doing with what our audiences are feeling that's right synergy is so important so one of the key things we need to do at this point is set up some hashtags and i'll apply my data software uh, to track their usage and popularity and and we'll see where we go from there. what's our, our google C- ceos or whatever what ceos ceos laurie ceos what's what is the search CEO? engine optimization well, that would be seo oh what did i say ceo <laughs> Rewind the tape, rewind the tape. At that point, the bubble bursts and everyone knows Ah! what's going on. SEOs, SEOs, I was doing so well. But even that's not quite right because search engine optimization is... I was saying it phonetically rather than reading the letters. Okay, we're all all friends here, I hope we are still. So listeners, what we will do is cover at least two video game (laughs) movies. I've seen Max Payne and (laughs) Phil, what have you seen? You can't use the phrase at least in a positive way. Yes, you can. At least means there's more. Come on, what's your film? We've got to stop this. I've seen Resident Evil and loads of these films in the past. And now that's the thing. And the truth is we've seen almost all of these back in the day. I just wanted to freshen my memory and I had not been able to do that, you know, because I've got to earn a living and all that sort of thing. But it's going to be fun because we're not just going to do that section. We're also going to do our own interpretations of video game sequels, that have, uh, video game adaptations that have yet to be made. We're going to speculate as to what could be a good bet. Who would make a good link from Zelda? Who would be a good... Exactly. Something else from something else. You know that thing. Exactly. And we will do a breakdown looking at Wikipedia's list of video game adaptations and, you know, corresponding to their budget and how successful they've been. Blah, blah, blah. We've got a very few emails and tweets because we're having to record this fairly quickly. But it'll be great fun and and hopefully it'll be a bit more bite-sized. Bite-sized, digestible buzzwords, buzzwords. Yeah. Right. Well, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And after that lengthy introduction, I hope it won't be a terrible crashing disappointment. 
Stay in touch if you would like to via Twitter on at SuperBaileyBros or you can email in at SuperBaileyBros at gmail.com and thank you very much to those guys who've been supporting us on Patreon. Your stars. Yes, you are indeed. And I think that's just about everything. I do have a thought for the day, Phil. Maybe we need to do it really quickly. Do your thoughts for the day. Why is she called Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman? What do you mean? Because doesn't Dr. Quinn say everything you need to know why why do we call her dr quinn medicine woman is it because we're worried people might not know what a doctor is it's like a super battled name it's like a kind of native american tells you everything you need to know sort of a shaman type thing. yeah medicine woman yeah i'm not sure about that phil i think it's kind of redundant unless it's also her nickname in a pamela landy jason bourne-esque kind of way bring me the medicine woman that kind of thing like a code name <laughs> the jackal <laughs> yeah exactly that's just the thought i had i seem to remember thinking that was an important program when our mum used to watch it uh can i confess something i have no idea dr quinn medicine woman <laughs> just go with it uh, okay all right off with the show right well phil to give us a bit of pep and to give us an overview and to give you listeners an introduction to video game adaptations as a sort of pseudo genre and by way of kind of explaining why we're bothering to do this uh, i thought we should have a look at the official i say official it's wikipedia but the wikipedia list of film adaptations and we can have a little rundown phil does that sound good to you sounds good let's get on with it should we play the chart theme song underneath for a minute <laughs> yeah not all the way through no 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 it's don't worry i don't get like worry. a heart palpitation it is a fast one but it's supposed to be exciting so here we go here we go at the top of the list and we've sorted this by box office revenue listeners is warcraft last year's film by duncan jones david bowie's son and director of moon now phil you and i saw this and were not impressed right well, I don't know. The more I think back on it, I think there were some quite good bits in it. But overall, I thought it was a bit of a sort of silly, turgid mess of a mm. film. But there were some nice threads in it. I remember Duratan, the uh, ogre or whatever, the kind of guy who wants to save his people. Yes, right. He was quite compelling and I quite was invested in his Was it Toby Kebbell? Toby Kebbell. Or Toby Kebbell. When he's not, he's got Always his face the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, listeners, the box office revenue, as it currently stands, according to Wikipedia, is $433,537,000 worldwide, but with a Rotten Tomatoes score of 28%. Yeah, it does seem to be a very popular film, financially speaking even though people weren't necessarily convinced of its uh, quality i think the warcraft fans loved it and china china yeah yeah it was huge and more and more china's going to play a big factor and china i think plays a lot of video games yeah and keeping you know trying to remember these rotten tomatoes scores listeners and you know rotten tomatoes is controversial for the purposes of this it's fine for it but yeah there's a common thread that you might see emerging quite quickly uh second film phil Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. This is Jake Gyllenhaal as uh, the Prince of Persia. He has a magical dagger. You go back in time. It's also got Gemma Arterton in it as well. Ben Kingsley makes an appearance. Of course a bit he of does. A, bit of a bad guy, kind of like the hood from... Uh... Thunderbirds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Got a bit of controversy because Jake Gyllenhaal's white and Prince of Persia probably isn't white. And yet still, it was quite well received. And I think actually, is looking down the list, is the best received film on Rotten Tomatoes. But still measly 36%. Yes, I don't think you can say it was well received. I mean, that's a third. Relative to the other numbers, listeners, it is well received. Mm, Metacritic incidentally gave it 50 out of 100, which maybe is a slightly better balance. Now that received $336.365 million at the box office worldwide, which is, you know, a fairly successful movie, I guess. There's not that many that would gross over 200 uh, million, I guess, but it's a whole 100 million lower than Warcraft and things just get worse from there. Mm. Even Jake Gyllenhaal 
couldn't sort of save a video game adaptation. Especially one, I mean, Prince of Persia, is there a new game out? I thought that was just the 90s. It was one of those games which had a bit of a resurgence. They did a reboot with the, the whole time mechanic. Right, right, right. And that's what they incorporated. So it's kind of uh, a remake of the remake, but in a film version. Okay, all right. And the running out of the top three is Resident Evil The Final Chapter, which is the most recent Resident Evil film, uh, released this January on $312.257 million worldwide, 35% Rotten Tomatoes score. Hang on a second, though. Because that's new, I think that's not necessarily reflective of the entire opinion on that film. Fair enough. And Prince of Persia was 2010, so there's a seven-year difference. But I think that's all the detail we really need to spend on the rest of this list. Interesting that Resident Evil is in the top three. Phil, you're going to cover off the very first of those later in more detail yes i am yeah any quick sort of teaser for us why do you think it's at the top three there i think it fits very much in what video game movies uh could offer i think generally speaking people see them as a little bit of uh low culture sort of films popcorn mush or whatever yeah yeah it doesn't really matter and that ties in quite well with horror and resident evil is a horror franchise video game and so naturally it kind of mixes together of course zombies have been massively popular recently and resident evil that's kind of this sort of zombies and it's got a kick-ass female lead as well yeah right very sort of culturally significant i guess yeah okay so next was another resident evil movie but then fifth in the box office scores anyway is the original lara croft tomb raider released in 2001 starring angelina jolie and actually in some ways the box office score of 274.703 million there in 2001 is maybe as impressive as uh, Warcraft's. Yeah, Lara Croft Tomb Raider with uh, Angelina Jolie was a big, big franchise. The fact they got a sequel is impressive. The fact that Angelina Jolie was interested in doing it, I would argue it's probably her biggest role. Do you think so? Yeah, I, what other roles can Salt, you... Salt, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs> what's, but, it, uh, what's her name? Malevolence, what's she called? Maleficent. Maleficent, yeah. But no, I think back in the day, back in the early 2000s, she was known as Lara Croft. She was Tomb Raider. And I remember it being a big one. It was on the sort of T4 specials on the Saturday morning shows uh, for kids. It was doing a little behind the scenes, all that sort of stuff. I remember people on the playground talking about her jumping around, the U2 song behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, it had it all going for it. Yeah, interesting. I'd like to come on to Tomb Raider a bit later because now we have a very obvious contrast. Uh, 17 years later, Alicia Vikander is taking up the mantle and obviously the studios feel the time is right to resurrect that one. If I can include one more that we can talk a tiny bit more detail about, Phil. It's the next on the list, Assassin's Creed. And this came out in December of last year, 2016. Box office is $240,558,000. Really low Rotten Tomatoes score of 18%, even though it stars Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I remember when we reviewed this on the podcast, I thought, no way is Michael Fassbender going to get drawn in by like such a silly film unless it was something, something more going on, unless there was a good script or some interesting director. And it turned out to be just another video game turkey. Yeah, it really did. That was a big disappointment. Really clunky narrative, terrible line writing and quite tedious action, to be honest, as well. Yeah, and it definitely seems to be setting up a franchise that I don't think really had any momentum whatsoever. Yeah, definitely. Now, just looking at those, uh, well, I'm going to call them top five, even though they're top six, because there's two Resident Evils in there. What do you think, Phil, are the common threads of those movies? Because I think it might unlock the way that video game uh, franchises get chosen for adaptation into film. I think it's a lot down to uh, the teenage boy market. Do you think so? Yeah, I think all of those uh, things appeal to teenage... uh aged sort of ideas it's all about people with guns that seems to be a big thing or big skills yeah talented people who are individual lone wolves going at it doing something awesome something cool 
even Warcraft, that's the case, isn't it? Because the main knight guy is a bit of a uh, a rebel, isn't he? He wants to uh, forge an alliance yeah. with the orcs, doesn't he? Yeah, that's right. I think that's basically the kind of wish fulfillment, isn't it? It's the fantasy element, the the idea of being somebody awesome and powerful and cool, which I guess is not what most teenage boys are. Yeah, exactly. And it, tellingly, I think most of them are action-based. I mean, Resident Evil throws in a bit of a supernatural horror element, I suppose. Assassin's Creed sort of does as well. But it is interesting that obviously the powers that be in the Hollywood system are seeing a chance for special effects. They're seeing a chance for fight scenes. They're, they're seeing, as you say, a chance for wish fulfillment and precious little else, because those films don't deliver in any other categories, I don't think. No, I think Assassin's Creed uh, was probably the closest to trying to get to some deeper themes or uh, science fiction elements or ideas, but it just seemed like a bit of a convoluted mess. Mm. I think, you know, Tomb Raider sort of stands out as a bit different, because that, at the very least, had a Indiana Jones kind of thing going on, and uh, Angelina Jolie's Lara Croft had a rival, wasn't it Daniel Craig, in fact? Uh, something like that, yeah, bizarre. And to be honest, Phil, I feel there are some parallels with the Lara Croft kind of story, and dare I say, uh, Batman? Because she is <laughs> incredibly wealthy with a butler and a lot of resources, and ends up kind of being a vigilante in a strange sort of way. She just An goes, archaeological vigilante. Yeah, but fighting crime at the same time. And she has there were ridiculous action sequences in that film around like Egyptian tombs and things and swinging on bolt, like beams. Do you remember those? She fought like a robot, didn't she? Yeah, it was absolutely crazy. But it's interestingly sort of on its own. That's the only one that isn't kind of boilerplate for me. And let me just reel off another few highlights as the box office numbers uh, decline. And I'll give you the lowest ranked Rotten Tomatoes as well. Need for Speed is there. I guess that's a Fast and Furious clone. I never played that game, though. Mortal Kombat, of course, is there. Fairly high up the list, even though it was released in 1995. And, you know, you've got Street Fighter and Tekken also on that list. Also on there is Doom. That's the one with The Rock and uh, has Carl Urban as well. That was something I reviewed on what we've been watching. That was the one which I think was trying to... It's kind of like a cross between Resident Evil, that same sort of type of tone, but it's all about a first-person shooter. So again, guns played a big part. They even tried to recreate the first-person shooter aesthetic. Did where, they? Uh, um, it followed somebody with a gun as he walked through the corridor shooting different things, and it was just such a lame scene. It's quite funny that they decided to do that. Yeah, interesting. And I guess the only other one that stands out besides the standard shoot 'em up, beat 'em up, or vague horror story uh, is uh, Super Mario Bros. film, <laughs> which I suppose <laughs> occupies uh, a special place in many people's minds that were old enough to have watched it, if not at the cinema, at least on TV when it came on. From my recollection, I've never actually managed to see the whole movie, and I was kind of hoping for this week that we would be able to watch it and track down track down a copy. But it was this very bizarre, surreal, sort of modern interpretation of what the Super Mario Bros. were, rather than being these sort, sort of friendly... It's sort of steampunk almost. Yeah, it's very weird. Rather than having these sort of friendly, nice-looking uh, plumbers who jump around and bounce on things, it was sort of like they had mechanised power boots. Uh, King Cooper, Bowser was a sort of weird dinosaur hybrid yeah, thing. Yeah, that's right. Rather than just sort of a, a nice sort of dinosaur dragon sort of type thing and the goombas you know the friendly ones the ones that you first jump on on the very first level of super mario bros they were like these weird tiny headed henchmen weren't they uh, were they the goomba i thought they were the um like, uh, like cooper's henchmen i'm not totally sure i don't even know i'm getting yeah. very confused but it, i remember just being like how on earth is this the super mario brothers i know it was very strange and it kind of reminded me a lot of things like the original total recall with arnold schwarzenegger because it had a lot of practical effects and it had a very dystopian 
dark, grey, grungy world that they got sucked into. And some quite dark themes like transforming people into these henchmen with the tiny heads. Uh, so they were sort of com- King Cooper was converting the world into this, these sort of slaves, basically. That is a famously terrible example. And anyone who's seen it uh, will know exactly what we're talking about. I do wonder if it's up for reappraisal as a bizarre cult classic, though. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they do do a Super Mario Bros. movie again and just try and do it properly and fun and make it actually a kid's movie. Well, of all the franchises that have been made into a, uh, a movie, it definitely seems to be much more kid-friendly than sort of a dark, mysterious, sort of grimy thriller. Yeah, it's a strange decision by Nintendo to allow it to go in that direction. Um, I did say I'd tell you what the worst percentages were from Rotten Tomatoes, so let me just do that, and then let's come back onto why video game movies are all terrible, apparently, and all get under 36%. But at 1% on this list is Alone in the Dark, which, as a game, was sort of a Resident Evil clone with a bit more mystery to it. And that's famously a Uwe Boll production um, that people said made no sense. But 1% is low, but it's not 0%. No, it's not 0%. Can they do 0%? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen 0% films. Oh, wow. Okay. Uwe Boll, by the way, listeners, is the king of terrible video game movies. He loves doing them. They're his bread and butter. He will desperately try and find the new franchise, make it. And then I think the idea is that anyone who's played the game will watch the film, even kind of if regardless. it's atrocious. Yeah. And that's, he just, just doesn't seem to care well, about the quality whatsoever. Well, it would appear that was a mistaken theory because the box office only brought in $10,442 worldwide. So that's pretty low going. Still 10 million though. It's a true story. Okay, now Phil, we've gone through a bit of a list there and listen, so I hope you've got a picture. If you didn't know the kind of landscape, those are the films that have been made. In recent years, we've also seen things like the Angry Birds movie and Ratchet and Clank, which is sort of cartoon uh, video game films. There have been Pokemon films, but that's kind of more an anime crossover. There has also been Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, a 2001 uh, CGI film that people thought was going to be a Simone-like uh, transition for the film industry where you'd have video game characters uh, reappearing in other films did you hear about this oh really they, they thought that the character animation was uh, so good that the, yeah they definitely used that character in another film uh but it was very boring listeners i don't recommend it right listeners i'm going to play a quick jingle breather here and then we're going to come back uh to talk about why video game movies continually seem to be hovering around the 35 percent mark now my main thing listeners is that The thing with a video game is that the story is necessarily subservient to the game mechanics. The story of the video game is already filtered through the necessary mechanic of the player needing to play the game. So then when that same thing gets adapted for a film, it's already been filtered once. So the story's been filtered once into the player's mind, and then it has to be filtered again onto the big screen. So it's not like you've taken a video game on its own terms and put it on the film. The video game has gone through the player of the video game and then onto the big screen. Does that make sense? Yeah, the player is the one that brings the characters to life, is invested in them and their own sort of idea of what's going on. They kind of fill the gaps, don't they, with their imagination. I think as well, by definition, these these characters, these protagonists, are kind of blank slates. Like Exactly. If you look at uh, Link from Zelda, you might know the Legend of Zelda listeners, he doesn't say anything. He never says anything. He is just the hero. He's in a little green tunic. And that's basically his whole character. Because they don't have room for any character because you're playing as him. You do your own thing. You can't have the character dictating what your actions you do because you're the player. You make the choices. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so you've got this weirdly 
sort of already problematic format where somehow you have to represent through narrative dialogue filmmaking whatever some kind of experience of playing that game of being link uh, of games where you have to make decisions or choose conversation options you have to try and represent that on the screen and it is really interesting to see the way people do it so you've already said in doom they had an entire first person shooter section didn't they yeah trying to recreate that feeling of being in the video game being the player but it just seemed very odd because the gun sort of swayed around and it just seemed so disengaging because right. you weren't the one controlling it. And that's not what the big screen is designed for, is it? No, I think it's about showing you something interesting, showing you a character that you care about, giving them motivations when normally the player is the one giving the motivations to everything yeah. going on. And, you know, one thing that I saw this really explicitly in is that I've recently, listeners, played a game called Mass Effect, a series of games on the PlayStation. And one of the core components of the game in that instance is that you are often required to make uh, moral decisions, basically, about what will happen next. And you can choose to be a bit more of a renegade, as the game calls it, or a paragon, as the game calls it. So one of them is being Mr. Nice Guy, and one of them is being a bit more tough but necessary. And, you know, that's such a core part of that gameplay. I was really interested to see an animated film they made of it quite recently that tried to represent that. And the whole film hinged on one decision that a character made and how they felt about that decision from a moral standpoint. So I think that's my feeling on why basically they're always going to be doomed to fail because it's an imperfect medium in the first place. You can't necessarily represent every single person's feeling on that game. And it's it's such an essential part of game design, you can't cut it out either. So probably the best way to do it would be to abstract it completely and write your own thing but then you're going to insult and annoy all the fans who just want to see see their game, their game experience put on the big screen. It's a sort of a nightmare, but I do think the more and more I think about it, and I've said this on the podcast before, I think video games are going to become the big sort of mine of where big franchises are going to come from in the future. Well, let's talk about that very briefly because we've got Tomb Raider with Alicia Vikander coming up. Really interesting to see the differences because, you know, if I was being a cynic from the early 2000s, I think cinema got away with being rather more stereotypical in its depiction of gender roles, blah, 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 blah. So Angelina was chosen to wear a suit that was very kind of what can I say, exploitative film, is that Mm -hmm. fair? Yeah. And that was the original design for Lara Croft as well, wasn't it? Whereas the games have transformed into her being, you know, a tough and competent but quite normal person as well. And she's not sort of overtly sexualized in that way. Her main thing is that she's skilled, she's talented, she knows what she's doing, she's a lady who can take care of herself. Right, exactly. And Alicia Vikander is a rising star, Oscar winner, I think, isn't she? Uh, nominated, definitely, yeah. Oh, that's what it was, yeah, yeah. So it be interesting to see what happens there. The trailer doesn't look that positive to me, but we've got an untitled Sonic the Hedgehog film coming up, Phil, in 2019, according to Wikipedia. Minecraft is coming up. Do you know anything about Minecraft? I've never played it. Minecraft is like uh, online Lego. It's sort of like a building blocks game. People have really loved it because they've been able to do what they wanted on it. And so I don't see that being a big successful franchise at all. I tell you what films I think are going to come up from video games. There's a game called The Last of Us, which is all about uh, a guy and a girl, a young girl in a zombie apocalypse world and them trying to sort of get through. Mm. And the whole game is designed around cinematics. The thing it's is, designed man, around these set pieces that give you uh, a movie-like experience, but you are in the movie. And similarly, that's also seen in the Drake's Fortune, the Uncharted franchise of video games. It wouldn't surprise me if that becomes a movie eventually. That's kind of Indiana jones isn't it? Yeah, very much so. I think it's a modern version of Indiana Jones. I reckon that's going to become a movie. They've talked about it a lot. They've been trying to work out the script, the director, the writer, the actor, and all that sort of stuff. But it is going to happen, I think. And I think it's going to come to a tipping point 
where one of these films could be really good. Mm, I don't know about that. And just interestingly, you've taken away one of my jokes when we're going to come on to hypothesising about films that have yet to be made, because I think the film adaptation of The Last of Us is just Children of Men, basically. Um, I think they are incredibly similar in just about every respect. Uh, Okay, that's kind of enough of uh, a roundup of the state of the video game movie world. I hope that was interesting, listeners. And do you want to, I just want to tell you, by the way, Dwayne Johnson is back in action for another video game film rampage which is an old game from the 1980s is coming back he's going to be in it as is naomi harris there you go <laughs> if J- if dwayne johnson is going to be president of the united states someday i wonder how he'll feel about these probably fine yeah listeners we've talked a bit about the movie landscape when it comes to video games now let's focus in on one of them one of the big ones that kind of hit it all off this is resident evil mila jovovich jovovich and let's hear a trailer Deep underground, in a top-secret research lab, security has been breached. A deadly virus, capable of contaminating the entire world, has been released. Oh my god. We have to get out of this building! Who's that? It's the brakes! Okay, we're here to help. Now, an elite team has been sent in to stop it. Five hours ago, Red Queen went homicidal. Who's the Red Queen? State-of-the-art artificial intelligence. The corporation's keeping a few secrets down here. But they have only three hours left before it begins infecting and mutating the whole human race. Everyone stay calm. Get out. Don't listen to anything she says. She's a holographic representation of the Red Queen. Maybe our only way out of here. How is she still standing? She isn't standing now. No one is immune. Resident Evil. You're all going to die down here. Hmm, Slipknot there being used liberally in the trailer. Do you remember the days of Slipknot, Phil? Yeah, the creepy masks, all very, no, not 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, 2002. What a strange time to be alive. I I think we've talked about this before, but I'm pretty sure the early 2000s was something of a golden period for films. Not in quality, but in risk, because the financial crash hadn't happened. So really random, bizarre projects like this got financed. Yeah, it seems like Hollywood basically thought, well, we've got this property. I think we can make some money of it. Let's give it a certain big budget and just see what happens. Maybe we can get a sequel out of it, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Resident Evil certainly did manage to do okay because it's had seven, eight sequels. I can't remember the name. At least five, maybe six, something like that. Listen, it's directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, not Paul Thomas Anderson, <laughs> as I thought it was when I was watching it. I had to IMDb that one and then quickly realised my mistake. He is sort of like one of the big players when it comes to video game movies. Yeah. He directed Mortal Kombat. He's directed uh, other, well, all the other Resident Evil franchise installments. He's been involved with uh, other video game properties as well. But this is one of the biggest ones of the 2000s. This is the big one that he kind of launched. Sort of centered around zombies. It was sort of okay. Do you think so? Sort of okay. It was very weird and very silly. The soundtrack is ridiculous. Every single time there's an action sequence, there's just sort of this... And I remember when I was reading up the uh, IMDb page and trying to find out if this was the Paul Thomas Anderson, I thought it was, but it wasn't. One of the uh, trivia bits was uh, talking about how the fan favourite scene 
which is when Mila Jovovich runs up a wall and kicks a dog in the face. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, that was, apparently she did it on like the 30th try or something like that. Oh dear. But that kind of sets the tone for the sort of action it is. You've got the guitars and you've got dogs getting kicked in the face. How strange. Is it sort of campy silly in that way or is it trying to be serious? Because the games are quite serious. They are quite serious. They're quite dark. I think this film doesn't know if it's an action film or horror film and it tries to toe the line. It's got this viral element. So some sort of research facility has gone awry and it's infected all the people in the site. A military team comes in involving Mila and they have to take on these sort of zombie-like infected people. The zombies are not scary at all remotely. They just sort of look silly and pale and kind of almost cartoonish versions of zombies. Certainly from the 2000s, zombies have progressed. You've got that Dawn of the Dead thing with uh, Zack Snyder remaking the zombies. These seem very, very tame in comparison. I mean, is that a problem? That might explain why uh, there's more action in here than the horror. And, you know, that goes back to what we were saying in the opening bit about how you kind of have to filter it through the playing experience as well. I mean, later on, there's the big boss of the, fit no, of the film. really. And there's a weird sort of monster-like creature with some of the worst CGI I've ever seen in a film. And I think they were trying to make that a sort of a really horrifying monster-type thing. So you've got the zombies of the, the staff infected, and then you've got this strange creature roaming around. You've got the dogs who are all kind of corrupted in these weird sort of gooey suits. Gross. It reminds me of the Hulk film. Oh, it's better than the Hulk, believe it or not. <laughs> really? Okay. I think they honestly think it will work better as an action film. And they think Milo Jovovich, who was uh, in Fifth Element as the Fifth Element, mm-hmm. who was this sort of badass woman who could kick people She had in a the reputation face. for it, didn't she, action scenes? I think they thought, we've got this star, she's going to be the centrepiece, we want her to be competent. And she literally does kick zombies in the face. She doesn't <laughs> kick dogs in the face alone. She kicks zombies as well, which kind of ruined it for me because I thought the whole point is if you get too close, you're going to lose. I thought the Resident Evil games in general were more about survival. It was like, have I got enough bullets to get out of this room? Running what away. am I going to do? My health yeah. is getting low. I can't really defeat these monsters. Uh, so it's about escaping and evading and things like that. But no, Mila just is like, pow, pow, wachow, woo. How strange. I think she even does the, a Black Widow thing where she jumps up and puts her thighs around some oh, one the, of the zombies' yeah, heads yeah, and then the does a, thing. a twist. Yeah. And that somehow worked against this zombie. A zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So it's all a bit silly and a bit confused. You've got Michelle Rodriguez, who you might recognise. She was the uh, helicopter pilot in Avatar. Yes, that's right. The and one who goes rogue and puts <laughs> war paint on her on. face right. and on the helicopter. <laughs> what a funny moment. Yeah, she's in uh, uh, Fast and Furious series as well. Yeah, so she's in, and apparently uh, when uh, she was speaking to her agent, she said, if they ever make a Resident Evil film, I want to be in it. And that's what happened. They made a Resident Evil film, and she's in it, and she's a big part of it. She's quite good in it as kind of a classic Michelle Rodriguez character. She's going to take no messing. But ultimately, it all seems a bit sort of just cheesy and very 90s for a 2000s film, if that makes any sense <laughs> No, it whatsoever. does. I know exactly what you mean. There was one sequence which I really did enjoy, but it was also kind of hilarious. It's uh, at one point they go in and there's this AI to the building, to the research station that has a defence mechanism. It shoots some lasers at different levels. And these guys, the military team that's gone in to investigate, they get trapped and they have to try and evade it. And of course, one of them just goes, shunk, slices right through them. Oh, no. And then there's one guy who's sort of evading them all. And you think, oh, wow, how's he going to get out of it? And they're trying to open the doors in time. And then at the very last moment, this laser's coming towards him and he's getting ready to kind of evade it. And then it suddenly just becomes this like cheese grater of lasers. Oh, horrible. And so that's just, it just was so funny because it was it's like... a weird joke. Yeah, almost. almost. It's sort of a weird macabre thing. But 
for a dumb movie and i think you have to look at it as a dumb movie it wasn't too bad it has a kind of clear narrative it's a bit obvious and a bit sort of wannabe cool but it's not terrible well so this is the thing how is it then that people looked at that and thought we can make another one of these not just that we can probably get away with making a whole franchise I think it's kind of like what we said. I don't think people are going in to watch these films for great content. They're looking to kind of see cool people shoot guns and destroy monsters. Yeah, It's right. a very popcorn-y, low-caliber sort of film. Doesn't it doesn't need to be more. Sort of change your... Well, I mean, not necessarily, you know, who knows how these things really work, but your whole thing about it being for teenage boys. I mean, it's Mia Jovovich. She's one of these original kick-ass female action heroes from 2002, long time ago. <laughs> I, I hear that teenage boys are quite big fans of girls. Well, there we go. <laughs> I mean, I just think, you know, but it's not wish fulfillment in the same way because... You, or maybe it is. Maybe they think, well, I can be Mia Jovovich. I can take, take out these zombies myself. Or maybe they just fancy the pants of her. I don't know. Just one of those things. But anyway, <laughs> okay. I'd give it probably... A C plus, which C plus. Is for a video game movie isn't terrible. No, that's fairly generous, man. Nice job. Interesting. I've never seen any Resident Evil films, but your review kind of makes you think it might be worth investing in it at least a little bit. <laughs> okay, good job. Thanks very much, Resident Evil, Phil. Now, my contribution is less good. I was curious about it because it stars Marky Mark Wahlberg from The Funky Bunch, who's a big proposition these days, and he is Max Payne. Do you know, I actually bought a uh, engagement ring off a man called Max Payne. No, you didn't. Yeah, his name was Max Payne. Oh, you used that jeweler that I told you not to use, didn't you? I know <laughs> yeah, they pain. weren't fine for me. I know pain. All right, let's not do that here. <laughs> All right, Max Payne, here's the trailer. There's an army of bodies under this river. Criminals reaching up to welcome me as one of their own. It was an easy mistake to make. devil is building his army. Max Payne is looking for something that God wants to stay hidden. That's what makes him dangerous. I wanted to get this tattoo. That's a Valkyrie. The Ratchet's dead. fly over the battlefield they reward the people who die in violence when the people a man needs get taken away from him you can't ever go back to who you were before would you accomplish something not tonight you have my help with anything else but not to go in there mm, very moody indeed wouldn't you say phil mm, max Payne. did you ever play the game uh no i remember seeing uh stills of it in a games magazine that of i used course. to get when i was a kid and uh, i remember finding it quite funny the model that they used was very early in uh i think it was a pc game uh, it I was sort of this yes. weird cuboid looking man with sort of a very odd expression yeah. very flatly <laughs> painted onto the front of this cube it's true it's true well one thing that was quite noticeable about the game at the time and i haven't played it but i did have a look into it because it was kind of intriguing to me is it uses comic panels uh throughout the game to tell the story and it was one of these you know made back when it was made it was quite an early attempt to have a real narrative a driving 
almost noir detective narrative really bleed through into a game. And there have been more and more games like that, like you said with The Last of Us, uh, everything is trying to become more cinematic. And this was just doing it at a time when that wasn't possible in the graphics. So yeah, you just come over panels. The other part of it that's really interesting is that it was quite well known for utilising bullet time as a game mechanic. And it was being developed around the same time as The Matrix. So I don't think it was ripping off The Matrix. It just I think, coincided. Yeah, exactly. And isn't that interesting that at the same time they were trying to develop that sort of... Because that was a revolutionary uh, visual effect by the Wachowski brothers, wasn't it? The yeah, swirling around during uh, a moment. Yeah, Exactly, slowing time down, but really beautifully. They use that in this game, Max Payne, so that he can shoot and that kind of thing. He does uh, sort of diving jumps like um, yeah. like in a John Woo film or something like that. That's exact, And that was their inspiration. It's John Woo and his... sort Like you were saying earlier, he's, he's the man for making gunfights interesting and not really, really dull and they tried to do that and tried to give the player the sense that they were that you know super cool jumping super everywhere cool. double yeah. wielding superhero exactly that so just interesting quite a sort of technically advanced game for its time and the basic plot is he's a detective tragically his wife and i think his daughter maybe his son but his child uh, were killed by mobsters and that sent him off on a terrible you know sort of revenge motivated life he continues to be a cop but he's desperate to hunt down the people uh, who murdered his family and left him alone like this and he's trying to track down justice in the midst of all this there's a new drug trade emerging and there are some shades of corruption and it might be linked to corporations basically completely boilerplate stuff um but well, at the same time it sounded quite compelling well i'm glad it sounds that way and it, there are quite a few building blocks in place here to really fit a certain type of film I'm immediately thinking of John Wick because although John Wick isn't dark in the same way, it is quite serious and it all plays into this underworld uh, of, you know, stylized bullet fights, right? Mm. And, you know, towering metropolises. The difference in that pain is it's a bit darker and gloomier than that and it, it wants to be quite serious and, and it's really run down, you know, using the back alleys of New York, I think it is, and they're really trying to play out that modern noir thing. Is so he we, uh, an alcoholic or something in the game? I don't know whether he's an alcoholic. I don't think he is in this, but certainly he's got quite a bad reputation because he's been completely turned over by his grief. by his life. Yeah, but with all that in there, Phil, do you think Mark Wahlberg sounds like a good choice? I don't know. He's a funny one. He's sort of a comedy character in a weird sort of way. Mm. He's sort of the... The bad boy who's a bit sort of petulant and yeah. <laughs> sort of childlike. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really sound like your man for a damaged and very serious, hard-bitten, you know, noir detective, does he? Not, Not really. really Mr. Hard-boiled. More, as you say, petulant. He'll punch you if you... More sort of goo in the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And listeners, I think this film is exactly what it says on the tin. It's very dark. It's very slow, uh, kind of plodding mystery that you can see coming from a mile away there are some interesting attempts in the direction to make it you know visually quite striking and they've worked really hard to try and capture that atmosphere of the game i think a lot of people were disappointed that the narrative richness and the sort of noiry feel to the melodrama of the characters is kind of gotten rid of because they're so concerned with it being dark that the drama doesn't really come through and everyone just looks like they're you know, not allowed Going to show emotion. Distance. Yeah, exactly. Mila Kunis is in there as a detective as well, and she plays things really seriously. And I just think that's wrong for Mila Kunis. I think it's wrong for Mark Wahlberg. And when things start getting really serious, it almost gets annoyingly depressing in its seriousness. But fortunately, the sort of crazy world of drug psychedelia takes over in this case because uh, people get mixed up in this stuff and they start seeing crazy like hellfire visions of uh, Valkyries flying around. And it's to represent 
uh, a slightly ambiguous mental state. Maybe they're getting access to a world that's hidden from view. Maybe they're just having terrible hallucinations, but it seems to be affecting things. So I hope that builds a picture for you. But unfortunately, the narrative is convoluted. The acting is dire and, well, not dire, just uninteresting to watch. And I think the action doesn't really deliver on that sort of technical pioneering nature that Max Payne had. The flying about, time. exciting, yeah. John Woo-esque. Yeah, so they, they sort of do that. But I kind of think the problem is, as we were saying before, Max Payne is a narrative that tries to put the player in someone's shoes. And that in itself was inspired by films, John Woo films. So it's kind of already there out in the, fil- the cinematic world. And this just feels like a, a really hammy two steps removed uh, an homage to John Woo and his films. Almost like Chinese not... Whispers or something. Yeah, exactly. It's just not very exciting. And to me, it really proves that point again, that video game adaptations into films necessarily just get diluted more times than other adaptations in other films. So the whole product feels quite weak. And accordingly, it didn't do very well with Max Payne fans. It certainly didn't do well with other audiences. And for me, it would just get a straightforward C. Not oh, really? really, not very enjoyable. Really lacked any spark of wit or humour in particular, oh, which it really, 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 really needed for its um, uh, seriousness, basically. Listeners, if you have played Max Payne or have seen this film, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And we'd like to hear what uh, the game did well and why the film maybe didn't do it well and yes. things like that. So, uh, so much of video games is about the experience of playing them, not just the story, not just the characters, not just the setting. So if you have played any of the games in a video game movie that we've mentioned so far, get in touch superbaileybros at gmail.com or tweet us at superbaileybros and tell us what the deal is with those games. Yes, and that is the end of our detailed reviews for this episode. We have already reviewed uh, Assassin's Creed and Warcraft and Angry Birds. Anything, and Doom. Yeah, and anything in the last two years especially we've already covered. So have a little search through on the Super Baby Bros website if you want to hear our even longer thoughts on that. I mean, they weren't any good, those films, <laughs> so I don't know how much enjoyment you'll get out of it, but there we are. Uh, all right, let's move on. So listeners, we have been thinking about video games as movie properties, and now we want to do our own little Lauren Phil input. It's pitch time. It's pitch time, <laughs> movie pitch time, and we'd really like to get your feedback. So if you like the sounds of any of these uh, video games into movies possibilities get in touch and say yes i would i'd back that i'd want to see that and to be, to be clear we're going to try and give a little bit more information than wouldn't that be great as a, as a film um i think the key yeah. thing is we've got to we've got to suggest actors we've got to suggest directors nice you know all the some of the plot maybe okay. try and yeah, sell yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah. how would we pitch the idea of the video game into a movie well let's see if we do a couple each fairly speedily do you want to start man oh i'm feeling a bit nervous come on come on hit us okay with it. Here we go. I want to do a Metroid film. Now, listeners, you might have heard of uh, Super Metroid or anything like that. This stars Samus Aran. She is a legendary bounty hunter in the galaxy, and her arch nemesis is the Metroid character, this sort of parasitic giant sort of (laughs) octopus jellyfish thing that jumps on people. And she is super cool. She can roll up into a little ball, climb things. She's got grappling hooks, a, a laser cannon for an arm. She's got this cool little ancient robotic suit. And she is just great, and I love these games. It's all about exploring, all about discovering a planet, trying to investigate some sort of happening on this planet, and you're all alone, surrounded by these deadly creatures, and you're trying to get to the bottom. I can see that. On. I can see that. So sort of like uh, I'm being your commissioning editor here, Phil, so you're trying to impress me. <laughs> right, that's impossible. So I've just decided that <laughs> on the fly. Uh, so, that, I mean, as uh, in fact you said to me earlier, sort of like Alien, but without the crew. I reckon basically Samus Aran and me- the Metroid series is just taking Alien and ripping it off 
and kind of making a game out Isn't of it. Isn't it a bit Indiana Jonesy as well? Sort of in the sense that you're sort of discovering things and trying to get through various canyons and traps and enemies and difficulties. But she's kitted out as a sci-fi Indiana Jones meets Alien with that sort of okay, horror okay, element. Okay, okay, let's talk about casting because I can see two problems in casting Samus because uh, number one, she doesn't say anything in the games. If I recall, anyway, I didn't replay really them very much. Second thing, she's in her suit the entire time. So two things you do. You do that Tony Stark, Iron Man thing where oh, you, you see th- the headshot the visor comes up. and you kind of got this fake version of his helmet which is actually like a little room right? with all the HUD display and everything. My Samus Aran is Brie Larson. Brie Larson? Yeah. Do you think she'd be up for that? Curveball. I think she's young, she's cool, she's uh, got that sort of competent aspect to but her. I don't think she seems very tough. What about in Room? I haven't seen Room still. <laughs> Neither have I. But what but I, I have heard seen she's is, very tough in that. I, <laughs> I have seen Kong Skull Island when she's sort of meant to be tough and she wasn't really. But I don't know, I think she's young and she could do it. You give her that sort of Tony Stark look where she can chat. And who's she chatting to? She's chatting to like Jarvis, the version of Jarvis. So you add in like a computer AI, her ship, who's voiced by Ian McKellen. <laughs> of course, Ian McKellen. Right, Mr. Britain. Do you think he'd Some be Samus, we that? need to get to the Metroid. <laughs> Do you think you could get him? Think he'd be up You'll for need that? to move down to the caverns. Just get it. He does great voiceovers. He's he got could a great do a voice. good computer voice. He'd have to sort of modify it. It's his, sort of uh, personal, but you just add a little bit of a robotic that's element. That's true, that's true. Call him something like Alan. I can't believe you <laughs> haven't you suggested uh, Blake Lively for the role. Oh, okay. I didn't even think of that. I was too distracted by trying to make it really authentic and cool. But Blake Lively would be brilliant. Do you think she would? She is super cool. Love Blake Lively. Yeah, I know you love her, but would she be good for the role, man? Come I on, think you, she would. You can't, I can't I just cast the people you she love. She did the shallows and she was all independent there. Yeah, it was yeah, on her was, own. She, she, she has got a bit more toughness to her, I think. Yeah, Blake Lively, I think, would be a good shout. She's got that blonde hair as well, which fits the character. Mm. I think it's a good chance for some good special effects. You could have some tense scenes. You've got a corporation who maybe wants to misuse the Metroid creature as some sort of weapon, which is very like Alien as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And would you give her a buddy at some point or would you be daring phone booth style or a what's it called buried style and just have her on her own I quite like the idea that you'd have the first act of the film is her going in investigating a planet she eventually tracks down a Metroid or whatever she's going to take it out and destroy it and then suddenly uh, a military team or a scientist crew comes in and says no we need to investigate and study it it goes off back to a space station while she's in the space station oh no space pirates attack because they're mm-hmm, in the they're mm-hmm. in the franchise as well space pirates attack and they try and take the metroid away or the metroid escapes and destroys the space station samus is like oh no we need to sort this out she goes and tracks down the space pirates while she's there she gets into trouble maybe she needs to try and escape daringly from the space pirates because she gets captured wow, i can see a whole movie here. whole movie well i mean and it would be hot right now because i believe a new game in that series has just been released so yeah get your, right now. get your screenplay written phil get the treatment done Honestly, I think it would do well. Nice. Okay, well, listeners, you need to let us know who wins the pitch battle here. Do you want to see a Metroid film series? Let us know whether Phil gets your vote. I'm happy to go with Blake Lively or Brie Larson. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. I'm sure they both jump at the chance. Well, shall I do my first one? Yeah, what's your pitch? I would like to pitch you, Phil. Phoenix Wright. Now, uh, this is a game series that I have uh, grown to love, listeners, because you can get it on your phone. And if you've never heard of it, Phoenix Wright is the story of a defense attorney in, uh, well, in the game it's set in America because they've localized it, the game creators, for a US audience. But it's a Japanese game, isn't it? It's so Japanese. It's really (laughs) stupid. I I bore the line stupid how much they try and pretend it's set in America, especially when they go to, like, Japanese temples and things. (laughs) I mean, seriously. (laughs) But either way, it's set there, and he is defending his clients. Luckily enough for Phoenix Wright, the clients he takes on are always innocent by default. So... 
as you present evidence and investigate crime scenes and try and figure out how your client has been framed or incorrectly accused of murder. You do everything you can in the courtroom. You face off against hotshot prosecutors uh, who always want to tear you down, a judge who's slightly bumbling and appears to be swayed by whatever the last person said, and at the end of the court case, you prove your defendant not guilty, and they get set free, and it's super happy. Now... I love this game not just because you get to be a lawyer and it's you know it's my ringtone actually this is a bit embarrassing yeah I love that whenever I get a text message I have Phoenix Wright saying objection because it's so satisfying to do and the game knows it as well it's designed such so that there's this big finger point thing and it knows that the game whoever's playing it is going to love doing it it's very very satisfying and when you crack the mystery by combining bits of evidence it feels great sounds like a great game is it going to make a great movie well that is the question and maybe this is a slightly unfair one because it has already been adapted for film but only in Japan and I'd venture to say based on the clips I've seen not very good no it could be done again and how would you do it western wise well, it's a tough question I mean one of the major benefits of doing it western wise is you don't have to do what Japanese adaptations often have to do which is try and replicate like anime hair on real people <laughs> <laughs> always a disaster you should really see it because there's a guy called Edgeworth at a grey centre parting and looking at the Japanese guy playing that is something else um what would i do i think it would have to be one or two cases from the game strung together with a kind of narrative and you'd have to have a person playing phoenix wright who can play that sort of dual role of being you know a fiery competent young talent who's also a little bit hapless because a feature of the games is that he needs to be helped along the way by uh, a buddy he's got as a girl who follows him around called maya for various reasons and there's a lot of comedy interplay so it would probably be be a comedy film I don't think it'd be that serious it would be comedy but would have an edge to the drama are you casting it Brendan Fraser well he would be great I actually think Brendan Fraser would be <laughs> really really good like maybe a younger Brendan Fraser yeah he would actually be perfect for it good spot man because, <laughs> no I'm trying to derail yours no but if you think about him in The Mummy he does that doesn't he he that's is that's true he's kind of cool but also hapless and silly he's funny but also yeah he knows his business as well and I suppose today I mean someone like Ryan Gosling would do it really well I suppose I'm just thinking of him in the nice guys because he has that interplay with uh, his daughter doesn't he that's true that's very true and that's a sort of comedy thing and he knows how to do a comedy thing he would just have to be a bit more clean cut and he has also he's played a prosecutor as well um, uh, in another film so he would be a good role for Phoenix Wright do you think this would work as a film though because it seems like a lot of the joy comes out of saying I'm going to object and then you press it and you get that little objection but if you're a really good filmmaker then you encourage your audience to feel that they are figuring things out they're in on the case as well yeah as the Phoenix Wright guy Uh, I think it could work quite well and you know courtroom dramas are so often their mystery and their dark right and it's often around quite dark crimes whereas in this case although the crimes are very serious they're murder based it would be a much lighter take on it so I sort of comedy investigations going on as well and a a full colourful cast of characters exactly and one of the brilliant things about it is that in every game there's a rival prosecutor and they Phoenix Wright and the rival develop quite a sort of close relationship, but a very fractious one. They're enemies, frenemies. Exactly right. So, And the, the prosecutor is called Miles Edgeworth, and he's very sort of sophisticated and very super competent. So who would I cast in that case? Tom Hiddleston? <laughs> the thing is, you are right about that. He would do a good job, but I don't want to cast Tom Hiddleston. As sort of a Loki S character? Yeah, maybe... I'm doing all your job for you, by the way. We are doing it very well. That's the problem. You're good at this. <laughs> You're a nice commissioning editor. So you, you obviously believe in my project. You want it no, to No, no, I just don't want to give, yeah. like... Uh, I want to give my 
ideas full competition rather than giving a weak one. I want to mm. win out of virtue, not sort of. Well, why don't I say you and McGregor then? <laughs> give, <laughs> give him a chance to dazzle me as he has yet to do. I think he could be quite charming and smarmy. Well, exactly. So let's see whether that happens. Uh, and do I need to give a character for Maya as well and her big sister Mia? Maybe Ellen Page? Maybe Ellen Page. She's a bit too smarmy. Uh, someone like her, or maybe Elizabeth Olsen? No, she's too good Ooh, an actress, I think. She's a very good actress, but maybe more could a comedic she do that one. comedy element? Maybe Cara Delevingne, based on her, her appearance in uh, Valerian. She would be a very good Samus Saran as well, just saying. Oh, how about that? Okay, I'm, look, I'm taking too much time on Phoenix Wright. Listeners, I've done quite a bad job. Phil's was better. Let me know whether you want to see a Phoenix Wright film, and you should definitely play the games. Uh, all right, have you got another one for us, Phil? I have. This is my other pitch. It is... Now, this is a little bit of an unknown gem, I'd say. And this is Pikmin. So this in this game, you uh, you play a little alien. You come down and you're, you crash land on a kind of planet like Earth, which is inhabited. But you're basically the size of an ant. And you meet these little creatures called Pikmin. And you use these little creatures to then do your bidding to try and repair your little rocket ship so you can escape and go back to your home planet. And you have to do it in 30 days or else you lose. That's wow. the idea. So basically, imagine a crossover between... Ants, you know, ants or bugs life, and then like a kind of spacey movie with a cool little interesting alien. The alien would be quite funny and jokey, and he'd sort of be dealing with sort of minion like creatures, trying to get them organized, and they're quite silly and constantly messing about, constantly having fun. They're sort of enchanted and uh, in awe of this uh, this little alien that's come down to direct them. Yeah, and yeah. he's tiny, so he's having to deal with these sort of like big monsters that are basically the size of like beetles <laughs> okay that's an interesting sort of perspective thing are you thinking like an ants-esque kids film sort of yeah but with a, a kind of comedy element to it i want the humor to be uh punchy and quite silly i was thinking maybe get will ferrell to voice the uh, the main guy Ooh. the little alien and then you just have i don't know just random comedians doing the voices of the pikmin but with like little high pitch things so you take like a, a comedian like louis ck or okay. whatever and they just turn his little voice up so it's all squeaky but he's all cynical still so you have squeaky cynical creatures listening to this leader and his cool little rocket ship and all the fun would be had from the perspective the fact that you're dealing with sort of an epic story on the very small scale nice man that i can really see that one working out well the, my major question for you as your commissioning editor in this case is is pikmin a recognizable enough uh, franchise it doesn't matter because it's a good idea. I think you people buy into the trailer rather than uh, the fact that there's a movie based on a video game. Okay. It just happens to be a video game. That's why it's going to be great. Interesting. Interesting. Good one. Okay, nice. That was nice and snappy, Phil. Well played. Listeners, what do you think about Pikmin? I actually think that, out of all of them so far, I think that might have the most potential. <laughs> I think Samus has got, you know, Metroid's maybe got too much competition and Phoenix Wright. I don't know that people are, are ready for a comedy legal drama. <laughs> They're not ready for it. I guess you guys uh, are Pikmin this sounds yet. good. Okay, and um, my next one, I'll do this fairly quickly actually, is The Mass Effect series you name dropped them earlier didn't you yes and they did try and adapt it was an animated film it was more a spin-off i think it was produced around the same time as the third game as a kind of lead up into it i wasn't very impressed with what they put together i have to say and now mass effect the reason i think it will work really well is that the thing that they have obviously spent the time on is in developing a very believable universe uh, with very new sort of alien races who all have quite believable interactions with each other tellingly some people get on well there's sort of prejudice there are trade relationships there are war histories and there are planets that have been specifically designed for certain sort of i don't know requirements of alien species so a lot of the work is already done and i think a lot of the appeal of the games is spending time just gliding around that galaxy because 
it's just kind of fascinating interacting and, with the different alien species discovering yeah. new weapons cool techniques and one thing it's also got is a nice blend between that stuff that gets talked about ad nauseam star wars introduced gritty space didn't it or dirty space compared to star trek's clinical very clean thing idealized future yeah yeah this is sort of in between the two actually people are very ordinary and kind of run down in lots of ways but there also is the high life side of it and the spaceships generally are fairly kept fairly clean the downside of that is that it's because you follow a military person as the lead character in the game. Command, so who would be the lead Commander character? Shepard. Well, I don't think you want the military guy. because, And this was the problem with the existing spin-off, because actually a lot of military action films are kind of dull, if I can say that. They're not bad, but they don't they don't leave much room. Isn't for, he like a military investigator, though? He's, a, he's like a secret agent, yeah. So you could have him being a secret agent. Maybe but, a newly qualified one, so he doesn't know the ropes properly. But that story's already been written, so you... I think unless you're going to put it exactly into the film, you're going to annoy the fans. I wouldn't use the character. Perhaps use someone else who's, uh, they, they call them Spectres, another secret agent just investigating. But I think the film has to move away from the action and the military side of things to focus much more on their sort of interconnecting relationships of the universe. So it'd be like an alien murder mystery, maybe. Yeah, something like that, maybe. A mystery is always a good way to go, and that's a large part of the Kind of like Chinatown meets Star Wars. Possibly, but not as gritty as that, and you would need excuses to go from planet to planet. So I think maybe it could be one of those corporate espionage things where there's some company who's developing an amazing new fuel resource and everyone wants a piece of it, and so there's been a lot of double dealings. Maybe a planet has uh, inhabitants on it who've started to get uh, radiation sickness or something like that and there's been atrocities committed what, in the Aaron Brockovich of profits. Yeah, that kind of Aaron Brockovich Space Aaron Brockovich That's a good idea, man It's it's a little bit like Avatar, I suppose but, uh, you know, a bit more serious than that So, Who would you get to play your lead? Well, it depends who the lead is If we if we were going to use the shepherd guy as the lead ooh, who would be sympathetic enough? You kind of want to give them a bit of seriousness younger Chris Evans? Chris Evans? Do you think not? I think he'd be quite good in that role. Or someone like Chris Evans. I don't know who else really. I mean, he is free now. He's not doing Top Gear, but I'm not sure. Not that. Hey, nice one, Phil. Good gag. He would be terrible. (laughs) (laughs) No, the other Chris Evans. Hi, guys. Welcome to. (laughs) Can you even imagine? Uh, He'd be quite good because there needs to be a, a slight wholesomeness to it. So what would the would there be any threat to this world or would it be just an investigation? Well it could become a threat. So maybe in discovering this new energy source or something like that. Obviously, Phil, you've got the weapons arms dealers who want to come in and make weapons of it, or there's some kind of really risky experiment that might risk eliminating a whole sector of the galaxy or something. So when people find out about it, they've got to stop it even you know, before it all goes terribly wrong. Mm, okay. Who would direct it? Um Jerry Brookheimer no <laughs> um, <laughs> Spielberg no it's not going to happen this is I find these kind of things hard to do on the spot you need spot. to get the mood man I know I mean that's, yeah that's why I'm making joke suggestions the thing is I'd be tempted to say and you're going to say it laugh at me for this I'd like to see Steven Soderbergh do it because listen listen <laughs> okay. to me because he is <laughs> certainly colourful space let me finish man let me finish he's enough of a maverick that he wouldn't necessarily mind Taking a risk on a video game. And maybe upsetting uh, the franchise. Fans. Yeah, yeah. He'd be willing to give it a go. And have you, you've seen Haywire, haven't you? 
with yeah, Channing Tatum. Yeah, it's quite stylishly shot. And but... Haywire is not a comedy, and it's not really, it's not a heist or anything like that. It's an espionage thriller. She's mm. a private security person, so I wonder whether he can manage it. But I haven't seen him do much with that level of CGI, so who knows? Interesting. I think you need to have Peter some, Jackson. You'd need to have some really, really good special effects because the one thing which I love about those games, and I played them a little bit myself, listeners, is the alien designs are great. It's really good. Like it really works. That's why it's been so successful. Tell me, Phil, who would you get to direct it? I sense you're better at this on the off. Uh, well, I'm going to say Dennis Villeneuve. Oh, really? Because he's done Blade Runner, which sounds exactly like yeah, Blade Runner 2049. Sounds exactly like what you're talking about. Mm, a a corporate grimmer. investigation into a dystopian <laughs> sort of world in the future. Villeneuve. We haven't seen it yet. I know. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Listeners will be reviewing that next week. Yes, we will. It'll be one-off special, just Blade Runner. But in the meantime, can you get in your thoughts on which one you would like to see? Yeah, would you like or- to see a space uh, survivalist sort of action adventure, Indiana Jones, Samus Aran in Metroid? Mm. Would you like to see Mass Effect, a sort of modern day Star Star Wars, Star Trek hybrid. Sort of, yeah. Would you want to see a cute little fun Pikmin? All very sp- sci-fi based, just that. Uh, no, you haven't said Phoenix Wright, man. Oh, or would you like to see a comedy jape with <laughs> Brendan Fraser a charming as legal a drama with high lawyer stakes. legal man and <laughs> I la- hear him say, objection. Let me tell you seriously, I love that game. It's brilliant and it's very well written. Did you write funny. it or something? Are you trying no, to get no, no. I, just, I think it's brilliant and, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah, let us know. And let us know, listeners, if you can think of a video game that you think would make a great uh, film because, you know, let's go into business. Let's get the screenplay done. Why not? Let's hear your pitch. Give us your actors. Give us your direct give us your mood all that sort of stuff and give us your slice on that video game nice okay listeners we've only got a very few little comments to read out this week and thank you for sticking with us to this point in the episode if indeed you have uh, this is our first attempt at a themed episode i think the blueprint's there isn't it we just haven't been able to give it the time we need we haven't because, fine-tuned it that's all. yeah that's it and i'm sorry i'm under a lot of time pressure at the moment because i'm trying to get everything done before i disappear on holiday but hopefully it's been interesting at the very least and hopefully as well, we're trying to cram in uh, Blade Runner before we uh, go on a little bit of hiatus so that yeah. next week you won't have a hiatus, you'll have Blade Runner instead. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, so we got an email here from Mr. and Mrs. Khan. Thank you very much for getting in touch. Dear SBBs, we went to see Final Portrait, Stanley Tucci's long worked on project to produce a film about Giacometti based on the memoir of someone called James Lord who sat for him when they got to know each other in Paris. Do any of those names mean anything to you, Phil? No. I do apologise, Mr. and Mrs. Khan, for our ignorance in this regard. I know who Stanley Tucci is. There we go. <laughs> uh, the opening scene of the film had great promise with Jeffrey Rush, I know him as well, giving an astonishing visual likeness of the artist in his rather weary, scruffy, hangdog look. Jeffrey Rush cannot be faulted for a sustained portrayal of a complex character, though his accent was less than convincing at times. His model or muse was played very convincingly by Fleur de la Cour actress. Isn't she from Harry Potter? Yeah, Fleur de la Isn't she, uh, I think I know the name of this actress because she's in a, a, a police procedural, Clements de Pussy, de Clements Posey? I, I think that's her. You're I think saying all Clemence, these names I don't Clemence? know. Okay, all right. The set of his Paris studio slash apartment was amazing for its authentic look, but sadly the storytelling was all a bit slow and stagey, a bit like watching a play. I think it gave a rather unappealing presentation, which I suspect would not attract people to explore more of his art and sculptures, which is a pity. It made me think, not for the first time, that pet projects 
uh, for directors and writers, I guess, often lead to slightly dull results if the director, writer, etc. has too much personal control. Too close to the work, isn't it? Kill yeah. your darlings, all that sort of stuff. So still an interesting film, he says, but tedious and somewhat lacking in a wider perspective, which I think would make it difficult if you don't already have an interest in Giacometti. Uh, thanks. I mean, I didn't know anything about that, but it's something, yeah, I mean, you've given us quite a good perspective. Do you know what that reminds me of as well? It's something that our dad told us about once, which is that he heard Brad Pitt on Radio 2 doing a uh, a mini documentary about Nick Drake, I think it was, the musician. Oh, yeah. And he basically said Brad Pitt was awful. He was the really? most boring person ever on the radio. And he wondered whether, as much as Brad Pitt must really love this music, the combination didn't work because maybe he was presenting it in more hallowed tones than it really deserved. It's very hard to make something which you're passionate about relatable. Often, listeners, this is a little insight into the Super Baby Bros, I feel almost a little bit afraid when I really like a film and I have to review it because... It means that you have to convey why it's so brilliant and you can't quite put into words why things are brilliant. It's, it's a really hard difficult. job, isn't it? Yeah, it's really difficult because you, it's hard not to put yourself into it and detach and see it from someone else's point of view. Often the thing which makes it so wonderful is it connects deeply with you, isn't it? Yeah, well, and that's why they say if you're the artist and there's a piece of your work that resonates super strongly with you, it's better to take it out because if it resonates with you, by default, that means it won't resonate as strongly with someone else. Very hard to do, but it gives the work its own integrity, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm talking about, Phil. Yes, I do. Is that all from the cons? <laughs> uh, they've got some extra thoughts on the name. You ready for this? Oh, okay. Here we go. Two thoughts. When I searched for Super Bailey Brothers, you were the top result. When I searched for Bailey Brothers, I got garages and rock bands and companies. Isn't the Bailey Brothers a circus as well, I think? I don't know. Barn and Bailey or something. Uh, when I searched for Movie Land, you were nowhere. So it would seem that Super is quite important for distinctiveness and Movie Land is not. Now then, I feel I need to explain uh, in my capacity as a marketing consultant how search engines work here. <laughs> oh no, uh, do we really need to go into No, we don't need to go into detail, but um, thank you for that research. I'm afraid it, it doesn't reflect perhaps necessarily what uh, it seems to reflect. The reason Super Belly Bros were the top result was because we exist and you typed in Super Belly Bros. Movie Land is something that is very diverse. There isn't a website with us in it and a podcast in it that is referenced across multiple websites called Movie Land or Bailey Brothers. So it's, I understand exactly what you're saying. By the way, I thought of another name. Do you want to hear what it is? Oh, I, I tell me off air first before we do you want me to say, say the offline. Just, just pause the podcast right now. Okay, Three, two, hold, one, on, hold on, hold on. Okay, listen, Phil and I ended up having a long chat about that. Uh, the thing is, my idea is so far off what we've been before. <laughs> I don't think you should say it, man. I think you'll, you'll just fill people with fear and dread of what's going to happen. We're still working it out, I man. Think we're it's teasing clever. out I think different it, ideas. I think it's better than you think it is. Here's the thing which I want to suggest. Listeners, if you were to change it, what would you change you it to? You can't keep Super Bailey Bros as part of it. Movie Land is something we've already thought of, so it's got to be something different. If you were going to name this show, what would you call it? What would you think, oh yeah, I want that in. And what the, would that summarise it in? The iTunes name will be Laurie and Phil, so that's who it will be by. So there you go. You give us your thoughts. How about that? Maybe that's a good way to do it. Collaborative. Positivity. Mm. If you can't have this, what would what, which one do you want to have? Nicely done, Phil. Okay. They make a few other suggestions about how to make it clear that we're Super Bailey Brothers, not bros. But I think we're Super Bailey Bros, not bros. Yeah, bros, bros. It's, it doesn't matter. Super <laughs> Still bros. loving the show, they say. Plus one to both of you for good comments on Wind River. Brilliant filmmaking to catch the viewer completely by surprise with two out-of-nowhere action scenes that still felt as though they'd emerge naturally in real time rather than simply thrown at the viewer by editing alone. Yeah, it's not about shock, though <clears throat> it is shocking. I think that's something really important to say. It's very well conceived of moments of deep tension and action. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. I recommended it to someone as the, the film to see at the moment. Maybe Blade Runner will take that crown away because it's got good reviews so far. Uh, they also say Icarus, Phil. They saw it. 
I think the quality of camera work, shot angles, etc. must be due to the fact that the film began as a high-quality documentary, which is why it was so startling when the real story began to surface. Though I understand the caution, I came to the conclusion that what we saw was all real, but that there is a lot more we have not seen and will not see. So we ourselves should probably be cautious about our judgments other than to be shocked and saddened. A fascinating watch. Mm, that's really interesting. I've also got a comment here from uh, Johnny Valentine about Icarus as well. Can I read it out? Yeah, I'll just say thanks to the cards very much thank you very much Carnes. here it is uh hey bros watched icarus last night really enjoyed it super tense and it all just goes absolutely nuts johnny gives it an a he says as well though although basically well maybe this is spoiler i can't necessarily say but he says the conclusions that are made from the first half maybe slightly take away from the conclusions that happen in the second half okay if there is russia doping all this sort of stuff that going on doesn't the first half, when he investigates doping, slightly cancel it out? Interesting. So that, I mean, that lends credence to the idea that it is all completely, whoa, this just happened to happen uh, while we were there, because it's not that carefully manufactured. But yeah, you go. I think that's pretty much it from this week, isn't it? Well, there's one more tweet. Uh, Alistair said he's really excited about Blade Runner. So yes, we're going to cram that in before Laurie goes away on his travels. Are you travelling? I can't remember. Yeah, flying, mate. Going oh. to Portugal. Oh, very nice. Mm. In the meantime, though, I'm going to try and go see Blade Runner and then record it and get it ready. And Laurie's going to post it all up ready for you guys next week. And we'll have some little stop gappy bits as well. That's pretty much it, though, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, let's do the outro and the outro. Here we go. <laughs> we always do that. There we go, listeners. Thank you for tuning in for our first ever themed episode. Not the strongest start, but I don't think the weakest start either. I kind of enjoyed it. I think we warmed up to it as we went on. Next time, we'll be a bit more prepared, I think. A bit more on the ball. I think it kind so of much snuck up on me without really realising. Yeah, I don't know what your excuse is, actually. I've got a pretty good one. <laughs> I've been working really hard. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. Listeners, have a great week. Uh, I'm sorry that I won't be around for the next few weeks, but you are going to hear our Blade Runner review next week. Uh, while I'm on holiday, we'll record all that this week, get our thoughts out. Uh, so if you happen to see it tomorrow, which is Thursday, is it? Yes, fifth. So if you happen to see it before you hear our Blade Runner episode, you might as well send your thoughts in anyway, just in case uh, we've got time to pop those into an episode. Other than that, we'll look forward to rejoining you in a few weeks' time, three weeks' time, two weeks' time? Can't remember. I don't know. But we'll yeah. see you soon. Brilliant. Have a great week, listeners. Bye. Ta-ta. Okay, so I got a really, really lame bonus. It's Good. really, really lame. It. It's like it's like two seconds long, so you might need to be ready to back me up, okay? Mm-hmm. Why is it never gentlemen and ladies? What do you mean? Ladies always, and gentlemen. It's never gentlemen and ladies. Well... It's not alphabetical, is it? No, no. I think it's to do with how things scan, man. But it's weird, isn't it? Why is that not taken root? This is like Laurie and Phil or Phil and Laurie, maybe. Yeah, but most things you can swap it around, like Jerry and Ben. <laughs> ben and Jerry's. Now, <laughs> gentlemen and ladies, the thing is, if you do it that way, it sounds like ladies is an afterthought. Oh, interesting. Whereas if you do ladies and gentlemen, it sounds more together. That's strange, isn't it? It's just one of those weird things I noticed. And I thought, oh, that's strange. Why has that happened? I thought I'd ask the English guy. Well, I'm going to go with gentlemen. The phrasing of that, the extra syllables of it, you sort of have to start quite strong and then tail off. Gentlemen. You're thinking not... Phon- phonetically. It yeah, has whereas some ladies, ladies, the syllables are more equally weighted because they've also got... Ladies- where a gentleman is kind of you mumble it don't you mun is uh on the diminished so gentlemen and ladies it feels like you're on it you're constantly going downhill whereas ladies and gentlemen makes you feel like you're going up <laughs> and maybe that's the way i'm saying it i go gentlemen and ladies <laughs> exactly mm. why what is language i think it's the yeah i think it's the syllables did that help phil was i did i give you enough intriguing yeah gentlemen gentlemen you know, I started thinking about a bonus we did ages ago again recently what because i loved one? it so much and i knew it was so strange uh saying poke and mon next to each other without saying Pokemon.
poke you have to say them next to each other so two words next to each other pokemon <laughs> pokemon 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 you can't do it it still sounds like pokemon, pokemon. anyway this is besides <laughs> the point bye <laughs>